0: Hi, my name is Leon Dwinga, and you're watching Dingo Talk.
1: What's going on, chuckleheads? I am Carlo Guadalino. This is Dingo Talk. My guest this week, Leon Dwinga. Uh, Leon, thank you very much for being with us.
0: Thanks for having me, CJ.
1: Of course. So I'm going to take you back. We're going to do this the way we do every other episode. I'm going to take you all the way back to 2006. You're a senior at Chartiers Valley High School. Uh, You graduated from IUP. Was IUP your first choice? Why did you end up there? How did you end up there? And what did you study?
0: Um, IUP was purely a financial play. It was the largest Pennsylvania state school. It offered economics. It offered, uh, at the time, it was rated in one of the 100 best business schools that you could go to uh, by the Princeton Review. And I said, okay, $12,000 a year here or like 24 or 34 or 44 at other places. So uh, it was purely financial play. I was really focused on after school and what I would have to pay uh, more than I was a- about any other thing.
1: Now, when you were in Charter's Valley, you were in the marching band. Was that ever a thought? Like, cause you were, and you were in a, you were a drum major, correct?
0: Yeah, yeah. We actually, we don't have a drum major at Chartres Valley. We had a, a band president, but um, yeah, I was, uh, was the brass captain. I ended up becoming the drum captain. I played in the jazz band and I played the steel pans, played a little bit with the orchestra. I wrote a lot of the music, a lot of the arrangements. So I, I had my fill in, in the music side of Chartres Valley. A really great program.
1: And there, I wouldn't, you know, as close as we have been for, for as long, I guess my entire life, I would say, um, if I remember correctly, your senior year, Chartres Valley did kind of a special thing with the, uh, the theater performance where they, it was you and your mom got to play kind of next to each other, right? They brought her, her class back and you guys all played together.
0: Yeah, man, that was actually uh, my freshman year in high school and it was really cool. That was 2003 and her marching band director, Tom Kyle, uh, whose wife is Renee Kyle. She actually ran the dance program and um, all of the dancing for the marching band. Uh, they, they brought him back for the musical. It was a really special time. It was a really special time getting to play with my mom in, the, in West Side Story.
1: I see my, my mom took me to see West Side Story. That's yeah. how I know that so, you know, You know how that chain goes.
0: Oh, yeah, dude. It's it's really cool. Now that I have kids, I really understand what it's like when you're friends with someone and uh, they have kids. You want your kids to be friends and we're the product. of
1: Absolutely. Well, and, and the music thing, the music thing comes from you, from your family, right? I mean, you have a very musical family on both sides.
0: Absolutely. So my grandfather's actually played together professionally far before my parents ever met. Um, My mother's father, Bob, he was a professional accordion player, one of the best in the city of Pittsburgh, um, the surrounding area. And Leon Sr., uh, my father's father, was a professional trumpet player and a piano tuner. So um, they were pretty fierce back in the day.
1: Well, and your dad was a pretty good musician, if if the stories I hear are correct.
0: Yes, he slaps the bass. He plays a mean bass. Uh, He was in a cover band. And back in the day, in the 70s, that was the thing lot you went out more you saw a lot more live performance it wasn't really about a dj so much as it was about a band and uh, that was something he he had a lot of fun doing those are definitely the glory days that uh, he recounts maybe not back in 82 but maybe more like back in 78 (laughs) rico stories you know
1: so fast forward back so you're a senior you make the decision to go to iup what were you going to iup to study
0: Honestly, uh, my parents gave me two choices. They said, you can stay in the house over breaks if you put yourself through college. They didn't care where I went to school, they just cared that I did go to school. Um, But I had been working in my industry actually, um, at that point a few years, I'd been doing shows um, for a larger production company my godmother actually worked at. And I had no intention of going to college whatsoever. But when I looked at the cost of an apartment and I looked at the cost of school, it was about the same. And I said, I, I better go to school. <laughs> so that was that was truly what motivated me going to college.
1: When you had you had the band, you had a band together or you were a band, if I'm not mistaken. Did, if, and correct me if I'm wrong, it was L3D back in the day.
0: Yeah, that's still that's still my stage name. That's still what I do. Um, I haven't put out very much music, but I make music all of the time. Um, you as a musician as a creative it's kind of hard to get really happy with what you're doing sometimes so you kind of hit different places and um, I can tell you there's definitely music on the horizon
1: so what was what was your experience like at IUP because you know I can I come from a very small school you you you, you played down here um, you know what it's like you know how big the campus is um, what was it like going to a slightly bigger campus than what I what I'm accustomed to It was
0: really cool because IUP was in transition from uh, the time I was a freshman until the time I graduated. So all of the dorms that had been there for like 30 years, um, one by one were getting knocked over and replaced with new dorms. And um, so there was constant construction all around. I'm kind of used to that. I grew up um, and my parents are home builders. So always around that, that was pretty neat. Um, But it was was definitely in transition. And when I've been back there, a couple of times to see some shows. I took my daughter to see Elmo um, at the Field House there, uh, at Sesame Street Live, that was pretty cool. And it's unrecognizable. It's not the same place it was when I went, that's for sure. So, so, so let's fast- I got fast... to see the old school and then I got to see um, kind of the middle and now the finished product.
1: And that was the finished product, you were taking your daughter up there pre, I'm guessing pre-COVID, right? Or was that recently? Yes.
0: No, that, that was pre-COVID, that was 2018. 2018.
1: How far away does that seem now, (laughs) looking at the years we've had?
0: (laughs) It's been the longest two years of of my life, I can say that for sure, especially owning a live events business. So um, we make money when many thousands of people come together. We don't make any money when the government defines me as not essential and um, the other uh, 5% of our population that works in the hospitality industry. So very weird times the past two years.
1: <laughs>
0: Very weird.
1: So as I said, you know, you, 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 you performed at IUP. You, you put out an album. You had a song specifically that you, maybe you tweaked a lyric or two to come down here and, and play a show at Bethany. Um, what went into you coming down here, minus our connection? What was the appeal of coming down here and playing a show?
0: Truly, it was our connection. It, that, that was the reason I wanted to come down. You know, you were pretty active in your fraternity. You were active um, in the broadcast stuff. And when you asked me to come at that point, I had already graduated. I was working full time. Um, I, I had a brief stint as a trucking supervisor in a steel mill. That was about a, a seven month <laughs> endeavor before I, I went full time with my business. And um I had music and I wanted to go and perform I Had a really great time with, with you. And actually I would say another catalyst was, I recorded some of your friends in a band called we must save the princess. And uh, they played at that show as well. So I would say that was a, that was a catalyst for coming down there.
1: So how did you decide? So you said you had a seven month stint. How, what was the switch that, okay, this is what I want to do with my life. This is where I'm going to go.
0: So I was, I was frequent. Uh, I'd been building this business, really. I started buying equipment when I was 11 years old. Um, and the goal with that was to record my music. It really wasn't to start a business or anything like that. Um, and then at 15, I started touring and doing some bigger shows with a, a larger production company that my godmother works for. And I really loved the work. So um, I just kept doing that. I kept doing that through college. I actually spent a lot more time doing shows in college than I did being at college. I would, um, by the time I graduated, I would kind of show up for tests <laughs> and the rest of my time was was really around my business. I, I got a job because it was, um, it was just a, it was a good stepping stone um, out of school and into a place where I could work full-time for myself.
1: Now, was it always going to be? Because you've done weddings, you do some churches, correct? There's some some church events that you've done. I, I think you just came back from Florida, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, how do you, when you're deciding this that this is going to be a business? So you you've been working on it since you were 11. Originally, it was for you to be for for you and your music and your passion. When did the switch? Was it the working and figuring out that you really enjoyed the work? Is that what like kind of catapulted you into let's do this?
0: That definitely is a factor, uh, but it, you know, it's just simple. You need to be provided for financially. You need money to live and it's just a, it's a tool. And um, my gifts with music really translate well to setting up big light shows and setting up um, large projection systems and big sound systems and running sound for bands and, And that translated into creating marketing content, marketing videos, and photos to help grow the events um, that we provide live services for. So essentially, it kind of snowballed from being a recording studio to being a live event producer to helping live events grow with the power of live events. Most live events don't have a marketing flair. In other words, they know that they're going to come together either um, if it's for, for a church to worship Jesus, if it's for um post malone which was like right before COVID, all went our sound engineer was doing sound at ppg paints for post malone or it's a gala we were at ppg paints the week before post malone the week before covid lockdown so we had like these very high highs and then these low lows but whatever the case is the goal um in my mind isn't just to provide the sound it isn't just to provide the video but it's actually to give them the marketing content they need to go forward and help to promote their event all year round because an event is not something that just has to be one night but it's something that can actually be a full-year experience and something upon which you can build a community of people that engage with one another and then they want to bring more people into that experience and because of that the event grows so that's really what um, has driven me and i would say particularly in the ministry world helping um, women's shelters and helping uh, youth conferences and helping um, religious organizations grow has definitely become my passion um, as far as the business is concerned.
1: Well, I think that's a good place. I think we'll pause there and then we'll get into kind of the ins and outs of your day-to-day and and whatnot. I have to send it to my sponsor. That's uh, Chambers General Store down here in Bethany, Harry Chambers. Chambers General Store, if they don't have it, you don't need it. It's a fact. Uh, You can get that on the back of a t-shirt. They're selling them right now. You can go to their Facebook page or you can buy them if you're in town. They also have the Shroom Capital of the World shirts. It's the third edition of those. Uh, They're all they're being sold down there. You can get a breakfast sandwich, biscuits and gravy, daily lunch specials, soups. There's a $1.25 sandwich he makes right in front of you. Um, And again, you get your sandwich at the deli and let's say. For a guy like Lee, who needs to go, his dad says, I need a saw, where are you at? And, I'm in Bethany. Okay, well, get your sandwich, look above the deli. There's the saws, there's the hammers, there's everything you could need. So everybody would be happy. Um, I am Carlo Guadagnino. This is Dingo Talk, my guest, Lee Dewinga, and uh, we will be right back. watching another exciting episode of dingo talk recorded deep in the hidden lair in bethany west virginia or when you visit make sure you stop by chambers general store grab one of our hot breakfast sandwiches made fresh all day don't forget the biscuits and gravy or one of the daily lunch specials if none of that trips your trigger cold cut sub sandwiches and wraps made fresh all day to your order hey and don't be the only alumni on the block that doesn't have the chambers if you, we don't have it, you don't need it, t-shirt or the latest edition of the Bethany West Virginia Shroom Capital of the World in the Psychedelic Green. Hey, now back to you, Carlo. What's going on, Chuckleheads? I am Carlo know This is Dingo Talk. My guest, Leon DeWinga. Leon, thank you again for being with us.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: So we we kind of covered everything that got Lee to this point and how we developed and, and the ins and outs of the different places that he went. but He settled on, and I want to make sure I say this correct, Runaway Records, Runaway Records Production, Productions. Did I say that right?
0: Yes, Runaway Productions for short.
1: So what is your day-to-day? Like, how do you go about, let's start there. How do you go about getting venues how do you go about getting these live events and, and having people come do they come to you do you go to them is it a 50 50.
0: so prior to covid i was so busy i couldn't take another event i was booked three years out um, once covid came a lot of our contracts a lot of the, our customers um, decided that it would be better for their organizations just to not pay or to um, take things internal so that was, that was difficult. Um, but also, you know, you can't blame some of them because of, of the, the regulations that, that came on. So unless you were like the Pennsylvania Auto Show and you had the in with Governor Wolf and you were paying the tithe to, to the man upstairs or whatever, um, you weren't having your event. And, um, you know, the NFL Draft, that happened. But if you're not the NFL Draft or uh, the Carlisle Car Show or, or very few other events, at least in, in 2020, you just weren't having it. Um, one big industry that's been for us has been virtual events, and they've actually outperformed in-person events, something like two to three to one, uh, which means if you made um, like a million dollars on an event in, in 2019 in person, if you did it virtually and you did a virtual event, you were doing between two and three million dollars doing the same thing. Um, but the concept of a virtual event is something that's difficult for a lot of people to conceptualize so. If you're um, much like the general store that you advertise, if it's kind of an old school mentality, uh, it's very difficult to get someone to understand what a virtual event is unless they've actually been to one, engaged in one, and understand that. So um, we've had a lot of customers find us on Google. Um, We have all five-star reviews across Google, Facebook, and a number number of other platforms that review, and, and that's really the way that people find us. Um, most of our customers, their jobs are really dependent upon us being successful. So, if I was to come to your event, and let's say it's the Penguins, the Penguins um, when they won the Stanley Cup in 2017, our company provided the sound at the point for 300,000 people. That was also the sound that went out all over the world. So when you watched it on the news, whether that was in the United States, Canada, or Europe, or, or any other place, that was our broadcast that we sent out. So if we were to mess that up, our customer at the Penguins obviously would would be under fire for hiring a bum company. In fact, the company that provided the sound the year before, because the Penguins won two years in a row, actually just, they really underperformed. And that's how we got the opportunity to do it. So our biggest source of customers is our customers that we already have. Mm -hmm. Uh, People go to them and they say, wow, the show was amazing. Who did it? And that's when they're able to say Leon and Runaway Productions. And that's how we we get most of our events.
1: So what's, let's, let's go through, let's take the average person through, a, through an event day for you. What's the, what's the setup? What's the time frame? Like, so you, let's say the event starts at two o'clock in the afternoon. What's, what's Lee's day from wake up to close up? What's the day like for you?
0: So if it's a large event, often there will be uh, one or two and sometimes even three days of setup before the event even happens, So let's take the event I just did in Florida uh, for St. Paul's Outreach. We were there, um, the show was from January 2nd to January 6th, but I was actually on site December 29th. And what was I doing? I was walking through with the meeting planners, making sure that all of the rooms were set up properly. Uh, When you have a thousand chairs, it's a lot of work to get them set up and lined up perfectly. There's a lot of fire code. So there's a lot of work that goes into events far before we even get there. And if that work is slightly off, Um, that can be disaster for our crew. So for instance, on the job we just did, uh, there were like 400 chairs that needed moved because they were in the wrong spot. So had I not been there, that would have caused a disastrous uh, setup day. Um, So our crew, uh, actually, some of our crew arrived on the 31st of December. So that was uh, a day we unloaded about 15,000 pounds of production equipment. Mm -hmm. And we started to get that staged. We started to get that set up and build the bones of our structure. So um what does that mean we're setting up trusses that held our lighting that held our projection screens um the next day january 1st we had another five crew members come in they flew in um that's when we started running our big sound system our draperies for our backgrounds we started setting up all of our cameras and all of our intelligent lights and that was just for one room now at this event there were actually four different rooms that we were doing so there was a general session room and that's where um all the people would come together, but then there were also another three breakout rooms. So we'd set up in, in all of those rooms. So it was actually a, a three-day setup for us to do it. Um, but the first event day that we actually um, had guests and that we were providing services for, um, where everything was set up, a typical day is um, I wake up at six in the morning, I get ready, um, I'm at the show site because we stay in the hotel approximately 6.30. I'm turning on our, projector, our projectors, I'm turning on our sound system, turning on all of our intelligent lights, making sure the cameras are all still in sync, getting our recorders ready, taking all of our footage and making sure that if it hasn't already uploaded to uh, the cloud, that it's in progress to the cloud, that it's on our drives, it's on our backup drives, um, making sure that basically all of the equipment is ready to go and ready to perform. Um, So then our our day, at least on on this event, starts at about 8 Mm -hmm. o'clock. That's when, uh, at this event, about 750 people came in and that's where um, all of our crew members are there so i put on my intercom system where i'm able to direct all of our crew members and we talk about um, i make sure that all of the cameras are um, complementing one another so i'm i might tell our main camera operator um, you're going to have a two shot because there's two people on stage so they have two people synced up and i would tell another camera operator okay i want you tight on the talent that's on the left side of the stage or stage right and i would tell another camera operator, actually usually me, with a robotic camera, to be on the other person. And as the dialogue goes on, I switch with our video switcher in between those sources uh, so that the people um, in the room can actually really enjoy the experience, but not only in the room, but later on with the recordings, um, whether our customer chooses to live stream it or send it out an email blast or or however they're choosing to do it, um, so that the people at home can enjoy that experience as well.
1: Well, and before we go any further, I, I, you know, I noticed your, your website is behind you. Let's get a run real quick. What is the website? How can people find you?
0: Our website is runawayproductions.com. Uh, you can find us there. Our phone number is there, and that is definitely the fastest way to get a hold of us. So if you're looking for consultation with your production or you're looking to do a live or virtual event or a hybrid event, which means you have some people in person, but you also have uh, a virtual component of the event where if for COVID or for distance reasons, people can join in. Uh, definitely give us a phone call. That's the fastest way that we can hook up emails work as well too, but we get literally over hundred emails a day. It's really, really hard um, to filter between someone who really needs that sort of assistance and someone who's trying to sell me um, some new software or something <laughs> like that. So definitely give us a phone call and, and we'll answer you very, very quickly.
1: So, and then, so we're at, let's, we're in the event. You've, you, you covered kind of what the, the, in the event consists of now, three day setup. How long do you, how long does it take for the teardown? Is it still, is it another three days or are you more, is it a quicker process when it's all coming down?
0: So believe it or not, the teardown also called a strike happens in about 30% of the time as the setup. So when you're setting up, everything has to be just right all the angles, all of the lights, um, everything needs to be so appropriately placed. And you have so many points of failure and technical components when you're hooking up intelligent lighting, you're hooking up these camera components um, that it just takes a a really long time. But when you're taking it apart, it goes really, really fast in comparison. So we had actually um, less than a day on the tear out.
1: So, for somebody that may be looking to get into the the same industry that you're in, and that 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 uh, entertainment and the the uh, well, mainly, the, I'm going to say the entertainment part. What would your uh, what would your suggestions be to them? What do they need to be doing right now to be set up, maybe six months down the road, with something?
0: So I say this with love and respect and admiration for anyone who after living through COVID would want to do this, but I would say don't. (laughs) Why? Because our industry has been classified as non-essential. What does that mean? The government issues a mandate. And in in our business case, we have over a million and a half dollars of equipment. Well, for almost two years, most of that equipment sat dormant. That was no fault of our own. That equipment had been booked actually three years in advance because we've been in this now for almost 20 years. So a very, very long time, huge investments. And um, I would have never put in the amount of time and the amount of resources into this industry had I known that I would be classified one day as someone who was not essential. Um, so if you're willing to go against that and hearing what I just said, and you still wanna be in it, then I would be doing the following things. One, I would have a solid understanding of the discipline. So. I would not have made it in this business or made it or or definitely wouldn't have survived COVID if I only specialized in one thing. So a lot of people in um, the production business are specifically sound engineers or they're video engineers or they're photographers or they're lighting designers or they're stagehands. But I would recommend to you that you get a solid foundation in all of those areas so that whether you're working at a boutique wedding or you're doing a birthday party or you're, um, you're running camera at an event, or you need to um, run sound in a breakout room, that you're able to be useful in those areas because um, this business is so wide and far frequently, customers will ask you to do things that maybe are not your best quality. I would say my best quality is as a performer, as an entertainer, as a musician, uh, and that I've taken those skills and I've applied it to how I direct a camera. i direct multiple personnels i I approach it like like a a symphony conductor conducts a symphony so i would say that um, whatever your real passion is in my case music that if you can apply that toward what you're doing in the creative fields that you'll do very well but i would also say buckle up and get ready for long hours and many many years um, of working for other people before you're in a place where you can take on um, larger customers Uh, specifically as inflation is running rampant and we're seeing all of our pricing for all of our equipment go through the roof, which is kind of a good thing because we have equipment, but an Mm -hmm. awful thing because this equipment gets updated, new cameras come out, you need to buy the new cameras to be the hippest, coolest company, which we certainly strive to be. Um, And then with declining revenues, just given the state of the economy right now, um, it's a very difficult play versus, let's say, putting that same money into real estate where a bank will back 80% of the investment, um, where in the creative and entertainment fields, a bank isn't gonna give you a loan on those sorts of funds, at least not until you've been in business and you've shown a solid um, profitable track record for many years, um, specifically three. And they don't just wanna see that you're profitable, they wanna see that you make more and more profit every year as well. So if you're looking to get into the business, I would say to define someone like me Find someone who owns a company that has skills and across the disciplines. And I would, I would ask them to go on a show. And I would, I would be very forward that you wanna be in it. Tell them what your skill sets are. Maybe you don't have skill sets, but you're a hard worker. That's actually more valuable sometimes than someone who has some skills, but doesn't necessarily understand the way and wants to spend more time telling you about their way rather than doing what you need them to do. Um, so I'd find someone that can mentor you Uh, much like um, mentors that I had, um, and make yourself invaluable to them by being willing to work um, crazy hours. When I was in college, I would work very frequently at night, at 12 at night until like four in the morning. And then I would go back to school and go to school and then I'd come back and do the same thing. And that was valuable to the business owners because they could go home. Mm -hmm. And I would strike their equipment. I would load it up into their trucks. I'd drive it back to their warehouse and then go and do what I had to do. Um, And I would say anyone who's going to be successful in this business definitely needs to be someone who can work those long hours. It's very frequent that we're working 20-hour days, and it's just because you have a limited amount of time in the venue, uh, you have a lot of work that you have to do, and then constantly you have customers that are um, asking you for last-minute changes, asking you for things um, that they didn't until that point, so you're sometimes dashing back to warehouses where you're reconfiguring equipment to make their vision happen so it's 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 very much something that not only do you need to be skillful but you need to really really care about the mission your customer is out to achieve um, because you're dealing with um, creatives and creatives um, get new ideas and they want you to respond and if you're not willing to respond with a smile and courtesy and courtesy and kindness, um, I assure you that someone will be uh, willing to do that so it's a very rewarding industry you get to do things I, i've worked for presidents of the united states um the last four administrations have been blessed to do stuff for so um democrats republicans all over the place it's really nice you get to meet a lot of different people i have done a lot of things for um for governors have done things for dignitaries um, professional sports teams religious organizations women shelters big brothers and big sisters all sort of not-for-profits pharmaceutical companies um, and often in this industry you get to learn some of the most cutting edge technologies as they're coming out because think about an event for professionals you are bring together the best of your best you're not going to just waste money to fly a bunch of people out to let's say um, rancho bernardo california or phoenix arizona or orlando florida you're going to be taking the best of your best there and you're not going to invest tons of money in their flights and their hotels if they really don't have a lot to offer the same way you're not going to put um, information in front of them that isn't cutting edge and that isn't really beneficial for them to learn. So I've been privy to a lot of amazing um, information years before you'll see it in mainstream media um, or in other sources. So it's really cool from that standpoint. Um, But I would just say work really hard. Don't be afraid to learn and plan on learning forever. I'm 33, I've been doing this for many years at this point. And there isn't a day that I work with something I've worked with for a decade that I don't learn something new about it. Just there's only so many hours in the day and there's so many functions per piece of equipment across a large inventory and across many customer needs that um, you just have to constantly be learning and applying yourself. And one thing, and I would also say, if you're not a problem solver, if you don't do well in the face of stress and adversity and time limits, this is not for you. Um, because the nature of what we do is is problem solving it's It's really easy when you just plug stuff in and it work and it works, but frequently there's a setting to change. and there's a maybe a different cable standard or a cable got broken or um, something in transport got damaged or 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 something of the sort. So um, if you're a problem solver, you're a hard worker, you're a life learner, this might be something
1: for you. So last part. <clears throat> The people at home were not privy to the fact that there might be an instrument right in front of you that you're, you're standing right in front of. Do you think we could get a little music from, from, from Ali? Uh,
0: okay. <laughs> I'll, I, I guess we could do that. So a piano here. I wish I would have known you were going to ask me to play. I, I didn't I didn't know this was coming, see so I figured
1: it was the best way to I, – I wanted to just see if maybe we get a, a little, you know, just a, a sp- spontaneous thing. Can you hear that? Can you hear good on our end?
0: talk, doing the best we can, improvising like I do the work. It's good to have friends, like CJ Guadagno, to put you on the spot, but that's okay, you win.
1: be honest with you i don't think i can't think of a better way to end your episode than that right there so i want to say from the bottom of my heart thank you very much for being a friend for all these years best of luck this year with the with 2022 and and the events that you're going to do um and one more time let's get the website and where everybody can find you
0: thanks man it's been wonderful being lifelong friends with you I, i love what you're doing here with the show um, my name is leon Dwingo. i'm the owner of a company called runaway productions you can find us at runawayproductions.com and uh, we'd love to talk with you about some event strategy and in production if we can be of service please reach out like and subscribe <laughs> I,
1: I am carlo guadagnino as he said this is dingo talk he is leon Dwinga, uh runaway productions and we will be back next Thursday, Chuckleheads. You can find us on Instagram. It's dingo underscore talk. TikTok, dingo talk. Twitter, dingo talk. Type into Spotify, Apple Podcast, and YouTube. You can catch all, these, all the shows that we've done and all the shows that we will continue to do. Leon, thank you very much for being a part of this. And we will catch you next week, Chuckleheads.